Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the first in tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First in tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First in tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am so excited because we have a fun and fantastic episode with ESPN national reporter Michelle Steele. Michelle talks about her time at Bloomberg Television and how NFL locker rooms have nothing on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. She also talks about the most rewarding and most difficult story she's covered, the importance of being kind, of pitching stories that interest you, and to say yes to opportunities because good things will come. This episode has a lot of laughs and a lot of amazing advice. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please leave us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, let's get to it. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Anytime. I love to be gainfully employed. <laughs> well, that is great. And this is for women who also are gainfully employed or want to be. So everybody wins with this one. Um, that comes with also- a lot of people, whether you're gainfully employed or want to be gainfully employed. You know what? <laughs> so I'll make it more specific. Women in sports. It's- women who want to be gainfully okay, employed okay. in sports. It still covers a fair amount of people, but we did <laughs> no. we did just narrow it down a little bit. <laughs> Your podcast would go to the top of the charts even more so than it is now. Even it's really so true. If you were like, even if you do not want to be gainfully employed, <laughs> literally everyone. No, but whether you want to be in sports or don't want to be in sports, I'll tell you how to get there or not get there. <laughs> I will run to the top of the charts. I mean, at a certain point, people might be like, I don't know if she's telling the truth because I've been listening for weeks and I don't have a job yet. But but what if they did? You're right. I yeah. would skyrocket. Yeah. I yeah, rock it. This is going- right after I write my uh, diet book about how you could just eat chocolate and <laughs> never work out and still lose weight. Oh, will- yeah. like I will like and subscribe to that. Thank book you. Right. And now. Please rate it with five stars. I don't know that you can <laughs> subscribe to books, but I'm going to start subscribing to books. Right. Well, now. when the book becomes a podcast, you can subscribe to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Well, this is great. I'm just, I'm so glad that we're off to a great start here. And everybody <laughs> listening very soon, you too will learn how to get Michelle's job specifically. So Indeed. very good. Um, specifically Michelle's job. But actually, Michelle, you have, well, I shouldn't say actually, but you have a very interesting background because you were a business reporter and you turned that into kind of the business of sports at Bloomberg. And I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about that trajectory for us. Yeah, sure. You know what the irony is? 
you know, we were joking about like not wanting to be gainfully employed. And yeah, <laughs> that is how I started my career um, in, in, the se- in two senses. One is I did not start out my career in journalism nor television sort of thinking like one day I'm going to be at ESPN. I mean, I was an econ major in college. I loved business. I loved entrepreneurship. And, and in a way, like sports is a story of enterprise in the sense that like every player is their own, is their own, um, is their own entity. And even more so now they're their own brand. Right. But, mm-hmm. uh, I sort of walked into doors that were open to me and the people that were in my life who were authorities and had decision-making power in the newsrooms that I worked in knew I was a sports fan and knew that I could handle, you know, that beat. So when the door opened up to be a sports reporter at Bloomberg, which is a place I worked before ESPN, I walked right through it. The second way in which I was trying not to be gainfully employed, (laughs) um, when I was a senior in college, uh, my French professor, and I was an econ major, but I love French. I love languages, but like specifically French because I don't know, like I just have always gravitated towards that language. My grandmother was a French PhD back in the, back in the olden days when like women didn't really go out and get PhDs, but she was super smart and like encouraged me to to pursue that when I was in high school. And so I had done like trips abroad and stuff, you know, school trips abroad. And I just like really loved that culture. So whenever I could, I would take French classes in addition to like the business classes. And my French professor said at the end of my senior year said, you know, what are you, what are you going to be doing after you graduate? And I said, I'm going to be putting off my career as long as possible because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want to work. And by the way, that is extremely pri- a very privileged thing to say. And I, I do realize that for sure. But like this was at University of Illinois, public land grant institution, <laughs> not saying this from like an elite ivory tower or anything like that. And I'm just I'm saying it kind of from a joking place, too, because I know like once you start working and my, my parents always told me, try to stay in school for as long as you can. Like, that's what you <laughs> right. want. to do. Don't start nine to five like right away. So, you know, I sort of told it it to him in a humorous way. I'm just going to be putting off my fabulous career for as long as possible. And he said, you should apply for this program in France. It's run by the State Department. It's an exchange. You get to go abroad. You need to teach English in French schools just as like a teaching teacher's aid. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will pay you for a full time job. The French know how to live like they minimize the amount of time that you're working. So I my full time job was 12 hours a week. And I got seven weeks off of like fully paid vacation, all benefits. It's insane. The so, French really have it down. They got brie cheese. They get croissants. Yeah. Yep. And then that. They've got <laughs> then- vino. They've got the beach. They've got the mountains. They've got Paris. They've got the, oh, they've um, got obviously, they've got the World Cup. <laughs> they've now. got everything. They've got Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, they've got everything. So um, I I applied. I got in and. You know, I taught English for a year in the Loire Valley in France, and then I taught English for another year in Martinique in the Caribbean. So it was just great. I I really recommend. I I didn't save any money, but like I didn't go into debt either. And I highly recommend, even if you are, you know, if you're just like chomping at a bit, you like can't wait to get into journalism. I would say that you should have. Like being 
a fully developed person and like taking a more holistic view of your career and your life for me has been very satisfying and, and enriching and I think has made me a better, more rounded, more well-rounded journalist overall. And then after that, you know, I pursued my career more seriously in business news and sports. But yeah, just very briefly, um, that's kind of how all this, that's the unconventional part of my career, how I got started. So I want to go back to something you said um, early on, not that we're that far into the podcast, but really early on in the podcast. You right. said that you walked through a door. 45 seconds ago. Can we just go yeah, back? Yeah, about, at about, I want to say <laughs> it was a good, back, like, like, maybe 120 seconds ago. seconds or so. Can somebody um, please rewind sorry, actually that somebody would be that. me? <laughs> somebody would be me to rewind. It was maybe about two to two and a half minutes ago. But you, you know said what? it feels like a long time ago. Let's be honest. Feels like a lifetime. Feels like a lifetime. Yeah. Um in COVID time, everything feels like a lifetime. So we've been doing this podcast for seven hours at this point. <laughs> um so you said two things. Uh and you can decide which one you'd like to answer first. But you talked about that they knew you were a sports fan, so I wanted wanted to hear kind of about yeah, yeah, that yeah. portion of your life. And then the other thing you says with you said that you walked through doors that were open to you, and I would love for you to talk a little bit more just about how important that is and kind of the importance to saying yes to opportunities. You know, you're doing the thing that you're not supposed to do, which is asking double-barreled questions because the player or the coach just takes the easier question or they forget the second one and they just answer the first one and then you have to follow up. But luckily, this is your podcast, Tracy. It is. So, and so, I can no. follow up if you forget and no one has to unmute me or anything. Like I'm like ready uh, to go. Well, you're definitely going to have to follow up because I I already forgot the second one. But the first question was, you know, being a sports fan and how did they know? Yeah, at Bloomberg. So um, when I was two two ways, one is when I was at Bloomberg, the reason I'm in sports is because Tiger Woods got into a major argument with his wife on Thanksgiving in 2009 Mm -hmm. and they needed someone to cover that story. And they wanted a woman to cover that story, I think for obvious reasons. Um, And they didn't have a sports reporter at the time, but they realized that Tiger Woods, I mean, you have to think this is, you know, a little over a decade ago, Tiger Woods was the golf business. Like, I don't, you know, I I obviously did not cover the PGA Tour before Tiger Woods, but, but it was a fraction of what it is. The purses sponsorship, attendance, ratings, everything. Tiger Woods redefined that. So it ended up being this giant business story. And that's why Bloomberg wanted to cover it. And the reason Mm -hmm. I was, aside from, you know, I guess having like being in the right place at the right time, was the week before I had pitched a story on how Tiger Woods was the golf business. So it was really, really fortuitous that my assignment editors had it in their brain. Oh, Michelle had just pitched, because I was general assignment at the time at Bloomberg. Michelle just pitched the story on Tiger Woods essentially being the television business for golf, like, you know, driving the television business for for golf. So, um, you know, I I think that you should pitch things that you're, and that was something that I was like legitimately interested in, you know, like pitch Mm -hmm. things that you're interested in so that the people who are in charge, know that you're interested. Um, 
My sneaking suspicion also is that when I was, so I was general assignment at Bloomberg and I was working on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. People ask me all the time, what is it like to work in the locker room? And I'm always like, the New York Stock Exchange was great. <laughs> like that was <laughs> the biggest locker room I've ever worked in, bar none. Like NFL players are way more professional than traders um, in finance generally. Like the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, they are tying shoelaces together. They're setting off stink bombs. I'm not breaking news here. Like this really is what it's like. And other financial reporters will will confirm that if they're not too embarrassed to. Um, <laughs> and most guys, because it is guys who work on the floor, like they don't want to talk about stocks. They want to talk about the Giants and the Jets and the Mets and the Yankees. And so I would just shoot the bull, so to speak, before my hits with guys about the game or whatever. And I feel like my producers in in studio or in the control room, I guess, um, at Bloomberg's headquarters in Midtown, I feel like they maybe heard that. That's mm-hmm. a sneaking suspicion. I've never had it confirmed, but I feel like maybe they heard that and they were just like, okay, let's just put Michelle on sports. So yeah, the Tiger Woods thing became like a full-time, you know, became a full-time. It, it, it certainly wasn't intended to be. I, in fact, when they said, you know, we want you to cover this, I said no. When they when they said, you know, we want you to cover Tiger until he goes back to the Masters, I was like, no, no, because my narrow hand, narrow minded mindset at the time was, well, Bloomberg's core competency is finance. Why would I be doing sport? You know, I like I like sports and I'm I'm a fan myself, but like, why would I be doing that at Bloomberg? Where is that going to possibly lead? Not thinking like, oh, there's other places. You know, there's other networks. It just mm-hmm. seemed like such a far-fetched dream to be covering sports, especially from like my point of like I knew I didn't have like a traditional sports background, you know? So I mm-hmm. said no, like I'll just stick with general assignment. And then they asked me again, and I was like, no, no, I'm good. And then my boss was like, Well, it's not really a request at this point. <laughs> We're like <laughs> telling you. Because I mean, yeah, this is like a much younger in my career, like I didn't realize. <laughs> You know, the naivete, it, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't realize like your boss actually can tell you what, you know, what to do. So right. I did it and it was great. It turned into a real thing. And then your second question was about walking into open doors. Yes, which actually works well with what you just said, because at first you said no. Well, twice you said no. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you were told you had to do it. But can you talk a little bit about that when a door opens on an opportunity, kind of seizing it, walking through it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a it's a perfect segue. Uh because at that time I was so locked in on okay, I was an econ major and then I went to graduate school for journalism and I had worked at Forbes and I was at Bloomberg and I was kind of climbing at that point and my end game I guess was just, you know, reaching reaching the great heights of business television or or you know, business reporting. And I really did not even, I, I never seriously entertained, well, maybe I can do something with a subject that I really enjoy, that I have a lot of fun covering. Like, I, it just didn't enter my mind. And even when it landed in my lap, I didn't, I didn't seriously consider that, which is so nuts now, you know? Um mm-hmm. I've definitely learned my lesson. And even, you know, within ESPN, if there's opportunities, like I say yes to opportunities, like they want me to, you know, do something on outside the lines where I'm sharing my opinion. That's not really 
my background and I really do see myself as as a journalist first. But like that's all that's not going to allow you to grow, you know. Mm -hmm. And so opportunities that come my way, I, I do everything I can to put myself in a position to say yes. And that's what you should do too, podcast listener. To get Michelle's job. <laughs> to be, get Michelle's job. No, not now. I just signed an extension. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Not your job, but maybe a job like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, surprise. A similar, a similar adjacent job. A similar An adjacent. adjacent. A Michelle adjacent job. Yes. I think exactly. that's <laughs> That should probably totally be the, the title of this podcast is like how to get a Michelle adjacent job. We're going to change it for true. every week. Sweet. No matter who the guest is, it's a Michelle adjacent job. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of all are. I mean, sports is such a small world. We're all adjacent. It is. It's true. We all we are it, all very adjacent. That's it's the true. other thing is like I'm sure you've you know, you you've obviously interviewed so many people, so many illustrious names for this podcast. Be nice to everyone because media is very small and sports media is like even smaller. That is true. And you will be adjacent to me one day. Exactly. Like, oh yeah, Tracy. She was she was cool. <laughs> she was cool. She was she was so mean to me on the Michelle and Jason podcast. I just don't know. I just think what to make of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it is true, and you know I think that that's I think opportunities, and it's funny. I mean I went to at the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I went to like a, a mixer essentially. Is that I don't know if that's a word people use, but I just used it. Mm -hmm. I went to a mixer for, you know, women in the NFL. And I met uh, somebody who works at ESPN and we totally hit it off and kept in touch. And then I started this podcast. And as a result, I have had the opportunity. One of the many reasons I've had the opportunity to, to interview so many illustrious women, as you said, that's because awesome. I went and I met somebody and you just never know you where never anything know. takes it's you so or what true. you do. And this podcast didn't even exist at the time, nor did this podcast even have, um, I didn't even think about it at this time. Like it wasn't even on the radar. So, so wait, the person that you met gave you the idea for the podcast or were they no. a guest? No, no, they were, they weren't a guest. It was just, I met um, somebody who works in PR at ESPN and we just hit it off and kept in touch. And some ESPN people came uh, on our other podcast. And then several months later, I said to her, I'm starting this podcast, get my job. And it's specifically for women in sports. And she was like, oh, I have a lot of people. And as a result, I've met other P people at ESPN. And here we are in the Michelle wow. and Jason podcast. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, you never thought that you would be Michelle and Jason, but you know what? Not. Some dreams do come true, Trace. And I think <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to say, you guys, keep reaching for the stars. Because <laughs> no, but that's awesome. That, you know what? That is, that is truly, you know, especially, I mean, at any point in your career, but especially like, um, like earlier on in your career, like always go out, you know, because mm -hmm. you just never know. And especially the Super Bowl, because everyone is there. Not every league, not every championship game for every league turns into like a family reunion. But in the NFL, the Super Bowl definitely does. does. Everyone yeah. goes. It's yeah. true. Everyone does go. Um, and, you know, it's just, you know, building those relationships and and being, you should be nice to everyone anyway, but if you need extra motivation to be nice, this yep. is a very small world. Um, and I think this is a very welcoming world, but be nice. Mm -hmm. So there, there's my tip of the day. Actually, it's really Michelle's tip of the day. I've just piggybacked on it. <laughs> That's so. my Mich Michelle adjacent tip of the day. <laughs> Michelle yeah, adjacent I, tip of the day. I just feel like, and to be fair, like I should credit Conan O'Brien for that because 
I think that's his life motto is just to be kind, which is mm-hmm. how we should all be. It's like, it is how we it's a really be. tough time. It's a tough time, you guys. We need to be kind. And that's an earnest statement. That's not even, that's not sarcastic. That's literally like, let's be empathetic and kind. Yes. And there's this something that we're seeing a lot lately on social media that I think and in, in life that is important is that you never do know what someone is going through. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I don't know if you ever read the book, The Four Agreements, but one of the agreements is to be, um, uh, be, uh, what's the word? not particular with your word, but something along those lines. And the idea of that being, if you go to Starbucks and you're in a hurry and you're rude to the barista who's doing the best they can, you have no idea what else they went on, went, went yes. on in their day and, or being rude to anybody. It, it just, there's no place for it. And you just don't know what people are going through. So just be kind. It's not that hard. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like you'll go, you know, you'll read a review for a restaurant on Yelp or something and people will leave like these long, like three-part essays about like Starbucks mm-hmm. or something and be like, oh, the barista was like this. Well, you don't know what they were going through. They were probably wearing a mask like all day long and maybe they mm-hmm. were like a little bit tired, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. We just, ha- we do have to be more empathetic. And I'm glad that you brought up the four agreements. I think Tom Brady has read that book. He um, reads it every at, year. At the beginning of every single season. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And look mm-hmm. what, look where he is now, Tracy. Exactly. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I don't want to lie to anybody on this podcast. And uh, it was the fact that Tom Brady reads it every season. And I was like, well, this seems to be working out well. I'm going to do the same. You know and that. I've read it a couple of times now. I don't read it at the beginning of every season and maybe I should. Mm. Um, but because, I mean, things are working out great for Tom for the most part. I mean, not week last one. week, but not last week, but I, I don't think that's the book. <laughs> they had to play football. Up until yes. they had to play football. But I'm going to call it early. I I think this is going to be the worst season of his career. It's like not even going to be close. I we'll agree with you. Early. And I don't, I don't think the Bucks are even going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Just throwing out hot yeah. takes on the but, but But Cam, season. man, how can you not? I, I just rooting think that time. totally. But, rooting um, big time for Cam. Yeah. Um, it's Belichick. Belichick, the team, just watch. The Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. And everyone's going to be like, wait, what happened? Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, they'll be like, <laughs> Didn't you hear about it? It was on the Michelle Jason podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was. They called it. On the <laughs> they Michelle called Jason. it. They called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll probably get to go to the party <laughs> because we it, called let's it. Hope, right let's now. hope we can go to the mixer. Let's go to the mixer. I don't want to go to the party, but I do want to go to the mixer as for long sure. As there's a mixer. As long as there's a mixer. I sounded like I was 117 when I said that, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> Sometimes I throw out words that people are like, who okay. even says people that? Say mixer. It's cool. I'm in the Midwest. We say mixer all the time. Oh, usually it's exactly. in reference to like cooking something, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> I went to college in the Midwest. So no way. Yeah, I Where did you I go? Did. I went to University of Michigan. Go blue. Oh God. You're like, I went to college in the Midwest. Just say Michigan. People have heard of that school. <laughs> it's like saying I went to school in Boston. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Cambridge. <laughs> I went to this small school in in Ann Arbor. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've heard about it. Big into um, football, really big into football. I am like a I am avoiding wa- watching, listening, reading. I like the poor Michigan students who are quarantining currently. It's like jail. Oh, you God. heard about that? I haven't actually, but well, so bad. It's so bad. This. Like I get anxiety. I can't. I can't. I'm I'm claustrophobic. 
So they put like they they like put these students in the door or like in this special place where they can't leave and they have like a bag of chips and oh god a blanket <laughs> in that is? or something. It's so Does bad. Jim Harbaugh come yell at them every yeah, night. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> That at least it would break up the monotony of the day. I think they have to stay in there. I, I think they have to stay until they're negative. Oh God, that sounds, yeah. that yeah. sounds terrible. Like, well, I am sorry. I'm sorry for the sins. I'm I'm sorry for college students all over this country because this is not. I know. I I it's it's the worst. It, it really is. It really is. But if you're trying to get a job, you know, there's still ways to do it. There are still ways to do it, and that I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to bring that back to now you are at ESPN. You've been at ESPN for seven years. You've just signed your extension. Congratulations. So no one else can take your job. For now. Um, yes. For now. But can you tell us a little bit about how that happened, how you moved from Bloomberg? And if you if you don't mind, after Tiger, how did those opportunities at Bloomberg just kind of keep popping up and then what yeah. led you to ESPN? Yeah. So after Tiger Woods – uh, they ended up just really, really liking having a sports reporter. And they realized, you know, most of our audience is not just, you know, financial professionals, but there's a lot of crossover with people who um, enjoy enjoy watching games and also enjoy betting on games. So uh-huh. that ended up being um, a, a, a rich mine, I guess, for um, Bloomberg's Bloomberg's uh, assignment editors and supervisory producers at the time for for viewers. They wanted to attract more eyeballs to the network and they wanted to mix up our program a little programming a bit aside from just covering, you know, the Dow Jones and the Nasdaq all day. You know, why don't we just do a, a once an hour essentially in the mornings from like 6 a.m. until noon? Why don't we do, you know, why don't we do a sports um, sports report? And because I had done the Tiger Woods thing and, you know, it was very, it was a lot of coverage on Tiger for a while. I was already doing the position. So they just decided, okay, let's put Michelle in this full time. And it ended up being, you know, Tiger Woods and then the Masters and the Final Four. And um, that was the year that there was an NFL um, lockout too. So there was a lot of like kind of sport, really um, rich sports business stories going on. So it was it was a really interesting beat because I got to cover essentially every major event in sports. You know, I covered even like the national championship game for college football that year, but I was looking at it from a very specific lens, which is more of a more of a business lens, more of a sports sports business lens, which ended up being like a really sneaky way to get to ESPN because you end up meeting, you know, a lot of decision makers whether they're agents or um, attorneys or people who are relatively high level decision makers, you know, even at the networks, because because I was covering sports business, a huge part of sports business for, um, you know, the last few decades has been television. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it was a great being at Bloomberg and covering sports business ended up being a really, really great launching point. But, but, but before I went to ESPN, Bloomberg also was opening up coincidentally at the time, a sports vertical that focused on delivering stat- stats. So for your audience that might not be familiar with Bloomberg, it's not, it, it is like CNBC in the sense that there's also a television channel there, but it's mm-hmm. not like CNBC at all in the sense that Bloomberg is a much larger company and their specialty is delivering data. 
So whether it's financial data or data, you know, in this case with Bloomberg Sports, they were looking to deliver data to other sports media companies, to teams, what have you, um, that would need, that would need, um, that would need data to fuel their analytics departments. So, yeah. So then I started going to, you know, the Sloan, um, sports business conference that they have every year with MIT, which is, by the way, if you haven't heard of it, you know, now you are hearing about it. I would go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you okay, haven't heard enough. of it, that's too bad. Here it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, Daryl Morey and Jessica Gelman, who um, works for Kager, which is part of Craft Sports Group. They're, and obviously Daryl Morey's with the Houston Rockets. Like, they're both great. They've been running this um, Sloan program for a really long time. There's so many smart people in sports that go to that, um, that go to that event every year. It's in the, it's in the spring. That was like the last big thing I did before everything shut down this year. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, a a contact of mine just asked sort of out of nowhere, well, you know, you're at Bloomberg and you're doing sports. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, what are you going to, what are you going to do after Bloomberg? And I was like, oh, that's a great question. So, um, so yeah, I sent, I sent my tape basically to ESPN and went in for interviews and kind of, that was it. That's fantastic. And that's, that's a really good story. Was there a learning curve when going from Bloomberg to ESPN? Was there any sort of learning curve, any, any criticism that you got that you were like, oh, I was not expecting that, but it ended up making you a better reporter? You know, I think that there was more of a learning curve within Bloomberg um, because okay. I was a sports reporter at a place that really didn't do sports. And I remember that I was covering an NFL story and the anchor who was from Canada told me after the segment, he's like, you know, I was talking about the NFC championship game. And he's like, you need to spell that out because our viewers are not going to know what NS- NFC stands for. And I was like, if I say that, people are going to think I'm a full-blown alien because like from mm-hmm. another planet because there people don't talk like that, you know? Right. And he was like, you know, when you talk about the Mets, I'm not even kidding you, Tracy. He told me when you talk about the Mets, you need to say that they're a baseball team. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was it was a little bit of a wild place for sure. <laughs> to be doing um, sports, you know, it's a place where like the SEC does not mean um, the Southeastern Conference, <laughs> right? Right. So, right. so there was definitely more of a learning curve in terms of like adjusting my own language to, um, to kind of like the confines of a Bloomberg newsroom, which is like very different from what a normal traditional sports newsroom was. And then going to ESPN, you know, I started out in digital in Bristol, where Bristol, where I was doing stuff for ESPN three, which was like the old digital channel um, okay. for ESPN, and I was doing stuff for dot com, and like, you know, there it was, it was like the best kept secret in the building because we were doing, we were anchoring all these segments with reporters, a lot of like print reporters, and they were all taped, so it was a really nice play. I mean, the learning curve was extremely. I think gentle because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're just uh, around a, a lot of people who, you know, clearly we all have like, we all have at least, you know, as far as sports are, sports are concerned, similar interests, 
but like you're not in the high pressured crazy like okay you're going to anchor the 11 o'clock sports center right now you know you're doing a segment in the middle of the day with like one of the fantasy analysts and you're talking about you know top receivers for your fantasy team or whatever and um yeah so but but you know going back to the whole like criticism thing I remember when I was at Bloomberg, I was doing an event, I was doing a segment at the Super Bowl and the weather was really nice and I was having fun with the nice weather and like how it was really nice in Miami, but like really crappy in New York. And I got a call from the executive producer of the show and was like, you know, you're, you're being a little too silly for us for, Hmm. um, yeah. And it was like a morning show, but it was still a business television morning show. And all that to say, like, it's great to show personality, but I definitely you know, realize I was a little bit loose for their brand. Bloomberg is not mm-hmm. about personality. You need to realize and be aware of where you are working. You know, Bloomberg mm-hmm. is a place. It's a it's a it's a data company. It's a newswire. It's very buttoned up. And obviously, for sports, you can be a little less buttoned up, but you can't be totally. You know, you can't be right. totally loose. So, like, I did button up a little bit more after that. You know, and I think that the criticism there, I think, was well taken, which is this is not our brand and you need to be you need to align what you're doing on air with what we're doing. And and that's another lesson for people who want to be gainfully employed or like, you know, just want to want to keep being, being gainfully employed <laughs> is you need to find out what your boss's interests are. And align what you're doing with what he or she needs to deliver, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like your job is not to do your job or not just to do your job. Your job is to make your boss happy. Figure out what they like and do that. That that is good advice. I hope I'm not being too like, I hope it's not a cynical view, but like I think it's a realist view. Well, no, I, I don't think it is a cynical view because if you were doing that same report for uh, a di- the Today Show or um, a different sports show, or Bravo, you, you know, or Bravo, or, then you could be silly. But I, you know, whatever. I even think if you were on like a morning show on a network from the Super Bowl, yes. they would want a little fun and silly. Like that yeah. is what you're yeah, looking a for. More personality, yeah. And so I think that is important. So when you went to ESPN, was it still a matter of finding that happy medium? Because there's, I think at ESPN, there's probably a time for being more serious and a time for really letting your personality out, which, you know, Sports Center, I think, has always been a place where people have always been able to let their personality out. I mean, to this day, I say he's not your Vetus, he's not my Vetus, he's our Vetus. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was Craig Kilborn like a million mm-hmm. years ago on Sports mm-hmm. Center. So was there still finding that happy medium even today? It depends. It depends on the story, right? I mean, there's definitely serious stories that cross our desk where, of course, you're going to be a little bit more, you're, you're going to treat that with the appropriate level of, of decorum that it deserves, especially this year when there have been so many heavy issues that have kind mm-hmm. of crossed the news desk, whether you're in regular news or whether you're in sports. But the most fun, and I think that the most, some of the most positive feedback that I've received, whether it's from, you know, um, whether it's from people in the talent department or like my colleagues on air have been when you're just yourself and when you can, you can just embrace your personality. 
I was hosting SportsCenter once and I'm, I'm an occasional fill-in because I used to be based in Bristol. So they, they know that they can depend on me if they need people to be in studio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was um, co-anchoring one morning with Kevin Nagandi and I had said Lil Wayne was going to be on the show. And I, I opened the show with, you know, welcome to SportsCenter. I'm Michelle Steele. We have a very, very, very special guest um, coming up, and um, that person is Kevin Nagandi. And, and it took Kevin by total <laughs> surprise because I'm Lil Wayne. I'm like, he's like, he's like, no, I'm not the guest, Michelle. It's Lil Wayne. <laughs> That's funny. And you know. As long as you could, and like the first time I was anchoring, I remember I was like kind of nervous, but I felt comfortable enough. And like Linda Cohn, the legend, um, had tossed to me because their show was over and you know how you toss from different shows. Mm-hmm. And she tossed to me and I don't even remember what I said, but like people laughed and it was like, okay, I can like relax, you know, because mm-hmm. when you are trying and I think, you know, and all due respect to Bloomberg, I don't want to to seem like it was not, um, you know, not a great company to work for, or it was like tense or something like that. It totally, it wasn't. There's so many smart people and it was a phenomenal company to work for. But the on-air brand is very different from my personality. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. a fact. Like they would, they would, they would acknowledge that and I'm acknowledging it, you know, <laughs> and sports is just different. You know, I, I was t- batting around the idea with um this is with a bloomberg colleague of mine who's you know also a sports guy and he was like he's a business reporter but he's a huge sports fan and he's like could there be a daily show for sports and we both decided there cannot be a daily show for sports because sports is already irreverent Mm -hmm. you already have you know it's already an entertainment uh a form of entertainment you know so like making it funny, like you can, you can make it funny, but it's kind of already funny. <laughs> that's, I, that's, I think that's true. I, I think there's, that's very true. Yeah. So, I mean, watch like next year, like ESPN announces, you know, like we're going to have a huge daily show for, for sports and I'm going to be like, oh, whoops. <laughs> well, it'll probably be hosted by you from this podcast. I, and That's the thing is like, is... I don't know. I mean, I I would like to think you can do you can do a funny sports show, but I don't I don't know. I think you could be funny within sports, but I don't know if you can be I don't know if you can have comedy the end goal. You know? Yeah, I think that's I think that's an interesting that's like an if interesting highlights point. are the goal. If give, delivering highlights are the goal, you can be funny within that, right? Like the butt fumble. Yes. But mm-hmm. but if you're if you're venturing out to do a show where the end game is like we just want to make people laugh and we're going to have sports i don't know i don't i don't think that's possible but prove me wrong internet and media world <laughs> prove but it that's a it's an interesting point because like i find just in covering a game the majority of my tweets are going to be, you know, throughout a game are just going to be like what happened even if i can find a way to say it a little more clever than just yeah you know Garoppolo to Kittle for 15 yards like I it I can find a maybe a clever way to say it but most of it's going to be what happened sometimes I will come up with like a really funny tweet and it's funny Ooh. within sports but it's not but I don't think it would be a show 
What he was, like, what was a funny tweet that you did? Um, so the other day, they start out a drive. It, Garoppolo had a great pass to use check, and it looked like they were going to score. And then, like, I think they ended up going, like, three and out. Like, I don't know. they Not three and out, but it was a very quick drive, and there was no score. And I think my tweet was, that had so much promise, me talking about the that drive and the last guy I dated, neither panned out. And people thought that was funny. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was funny. But I think that was funny. But it's funny. I don't know that I could make a whole show about that's it. That's the thing. That's the thing. I, but I don't that's, think you can. You but know, like, I'm, but, there's people who are very funny who probably could. But I don't know. But yeah, that's another thing is social media. You do have to be a little bit careful, you know, about mm-hmm. what you joke about. I have definitely deleted tweets where I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to. I, I I don't think this this will stand the test of time. This will age poorly, and I've mm-hmm. taken, I've taken it down. But you know, in this day and age, I think that everybody like don't hit send right. Like everybody is right. best off with a little bit more of a filter. Yes, and you take know? a minute, think about take it. Take a minute, take one, and then minute. say, okay, that's okay. I can tweet that or not, but definitely yeah. take that minute you know, and think about it. And I always feel like a good rule of thumb, and I would be interested to hear your thoughts yeah, yeah. on this, are if you have any hesitation at all, don't do it. Yes. It's like Wayne any. Gretzky says, you never regret the tweets you don't send. The tweets you, don't take. you never regret the takes you don't take. Yes. Um, that's, I think it's very true. If you have like any, if there's any part of you that says, could someone find this not to be funny, you know, not, not to be funny, but can someone take this the wrong way? Could, yeah, totally. You know? Totally. It's like, it's, it's shocking to me when I see even like team, so official team, social media accounts, um, I, I think cross the line with what is, with what is appropriate and just like, what is good sportsmanship, you know, like mm-hmm. think about that too. Like not everything needs to be like let's snark our way let's snark our way through this game i remember um i think the was it the bucks that announced new uniforms this year and like the panthers official account um, it was the the falcons the falcons yes 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 it was the falcons and then the it was a was it the panthers official account it was the panthers official account Yeah, yeah totally that um uh, good thing that we're not going back beyond 17 seconds in this podcast, because as you can tell, my memory is like totally shot from <laughs> pandemic. But anyway, so the um, the Panther account essentially made fun of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was in such poor taste. And like, maybe I am just like showing myself to be a little bit too conservative or too much of a traditionalist, but like, especially coming from like a sports business, having more of a sports business background, I know for a fact that someone, I mean, a group of people worked for months on new uniforms. And the last thing they want is for a rival team to just to to get up in their mentions and and make fun of it and to, to mock it. I just thought that was in poor taste. I didn't even think it was that funny. And, you know, like the Bucks, to their credit, um, sorry, the Falcons, to their credit, replied, with like Cam Newton, like um, Cam Newton, like you know that font that he uses. Yes, they, yes, they, yeah. They reply, which I thought was 
was funny, but I thought they could have really gone for the jugular. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and even and up the ante on them. Now, they're classy and they didn't. But I think they could have really upped the ante with how they treated their franchise. But, but why, by, you know, you don't like these uniforms. Well, you didn't like your franchise quarterback either. And you kicked him to the curb. I mean, like, I think they could have really um, escalated. I'm glad that they didn't. But just when you're composing a tweet, you want to get a job in sports, you know, be smart about it. Be, be a good sport about it. You know, I, I think more than anything else. And I think that... That to me, maybe that is the the key right there. Be a good sport about it. You can be funny, but be a good sport. You can yeah. don't be mean. Don't be yeah. funny in some respects. Don't be mean. Be funny. Um, it's tough was a, when you're not funny. When you're not funny, yeah. like the official Panther social media account. No, I'm kidding. But like a little. And bit. it's funny because they actually <laughs> usually are really funny. But I agreed with you when I saw that. I was like, yeah, I don't think that's nice. But that account before. usually is really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them, some of, some of them really are. Some of them really are. I can't, can't think of another NFL account that I've like laughed out loud at. I'm trying to think now. I don't know. I'll, I'll take your word for it on the Panthers. They usually are, but I agree with you. I thought that was not nice. I kind of thought the same thing. Um, so I don't know. I, I definitely agree with that. So I think that's the thing. Don't be mean. Be funny. Yeah. It goes back to be kind. Yeah. And I think that's true, you know, of all social media. Don't don't be mean. It's easy. It's also really easy to be mean behind a computer. Um, think about what would you say yeah. to someone's face. No, for sure, you know? for sure. And like I, you know, I have a regrettable tweet. I I know that when I was living in Boston, I tweeted something, you know, I'm from Chicago and our, our there's rivalries kind of all around the Midwestern states, but there's certainly, you know, there's certainly like a, <laughs> a weird dynamic between Chicago and Indiana, you know, and mm-hmm. I, someone, someone, I retweeted a tweet about like Indiana, maybe not being a state where you'd want to be in all the time. And that tweet, by the way, comes back to haunt me. Even to this day, I really should find it and just delete it. <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> when I'm on the colds, like someone will bring it up. To me. So, you know, I am lucky to still be gainfully employed, but could I get a job in Indiana? I don't know. Remains to be seen, Tracy. It Well, it does remain to be seen, but I guess time <laughs> no, will tell. But I, way, hopefully not because I, I think where you are is great. Delete it before this podcast goes live. Thanks. Yeah, people are going to be looking for it. So, seriously. It's, yeah, you don't it, have it, that it, much it time. It really wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that bad. Um, that's very funny. That's very funny. Well, social media is like a whole different – it's a, a whole different world and, and animal when it comes to uh, sports reporting. But I think it, you know, it is important to address it. And I think basically the theme of this podcast, be kind. Don't be mean. I know. That's and, so boring though. That's so boring, but it's true. But you can be funny. I think you can be funny. Um, there was – I'll give you one other funny tweet. During the last dance, there's a thing they show Michael Jordan looking at Isaiah Thomas – footage and he says you can show me whatever you want but I'm never going to think he's not an asshole and <laughs> I tweeted that and I said um same this is what I say about my exes or something along those lines and <laughs> everybody thought that was funny and that was funny I didn't mention anybody by name I didn't like you know whatever but right. um you didn't you mention be- Rob's name at all just kidding I don't know if yeah. your ex is Rob or not <laughs> it's not <laughs> however what if it was what the I know, Rob would be, be like 
I can't believe you Whoever said that about Derek. Hashtag Derek. Yeah. It would be funny if you did hashtag Derek at the end. That would have been yeah. good. That would have been great. Um, but I think you, I, I don't think you have to be bored. You can be funny. You just don't be mean. I think that's like the, comes to the, the point of it. There's, and there's a way to yeah. be, you can tease without being mean too. Totally. And there's a, there's a nuance to it. You can always tell when yeah. people are just, and that was like, I don't want this to turn into like a let's beat up on the Panthers social media account. But like, <laughs> no, you can tell it, it, it just like Panthers are having a rough week. Yeah, no, I know. I know. But it struck a chord with me, you know, because Fair. I know all these people that worked for months on these uniforms. But other than that, it just seemed like a tweet that did not have good sportsmanship first and uh, at the forefront. You know, it it seemed like a tweet that you can tell when people like mean bad mean badly or mean well for you, and that was a tweet right. that did not mean well. That's all I'm saying. Well, and inevitably, the Falcons, you know, are going to beat the crap out of the Panthers, and in their new uniforms, in their new uniforms, and the social media team. And hopefully, you guys are listening. You're welcome. You get this one for free, Falcons Twitter. Yeah. But you know, inevitably, going to be, be like. Yeah, you know, that looks like those uniforms did the trick or something. I mean, they can – I think that's the other thing to always make – keep in mind when you're a team social media account. Like, you're still – you know, things can totally come back to bite you. Um, yeah. Depending on what happens on the field. Yeah, so, yeah. So there's that. But um, sorry, Panthers, but we had to make an example out of you. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> we mean, though, we're trying to be constructive. We're trying to get you we guys, are. like, continue your gainful employment no matter what the team. Exactly. This podcast is not called Lose Your Job. It's called Get My Job. So <laughs> yeah, just remember that. You know what? Don't get fired. It's don't get don't fired. Get fired. <laughs> the Don't Get Fired podcast. Um, so I have a question about you've done a, a number of different types of stories and different type of reporting. And of course, we talked about the Tiger Woods one. So I have a three-part question, um, which I can certainly repeat if you need me to, but they it is as follows. What's the most rewarding most difficult and most fun story you've ever reported on? Okay. The most rewarding story that I've reported on, I just reported on it this this summer. Um, part One of the byproducts of the pandemic is having a lot of time to be able to like really drill down on stories that normally you might not have time for, right? If you were like, if you had like a full-blown training camp, NFL training camp schedule on your hands. So mm -hmm. I pitched a story about the Iowa football program and how for 20 years, African-American players in that, um, in that football complex didn't really feel like they belonged. And they didn't feel like they belonged for a lot of good reasons. Like they were essentially told in ways, you know, subtle and in some ways a little bit more overt that, overt, that they didn't belong there. And the program ran this way sort of, you know, with impunity for a really, really long time, you know, players as early as the early 2000s up until literally this year had very similar stories. And the moral of that story was when people run programs, right? When people run football teams where there isn't consequences, there isn't, there aren't, there aren't um, vehicles for accountability, people get harmed. And mm -hmm. Um, I spoke to a number of players that I felt really good about giving them a voice. Finally, I want to applaud them for their courage because it takes a lot to go back to the program that recruited you. You know, Iowa tends to go after guys maybe who are 
the most highly sought after recruits and they're known for developing guys. So this is a mm-hmm. program that um, recruited you, had developed you, maybe gave you your first legitimate shot at the NFL. And now you're turning back and being critical, but you're being critical because you love that program. And you, and like one player told me, you don't want to have a bad taste in your mouth when you're watching Iowa football on TV. You want to feel good about the school that you went to and that recruited you. So that was a story that was incredibly rewarding for, for me. It was, it happened in the wake of um, George Floyd this year where it was the only um, major program that took kind of the lesson of George Floyd, looked internal, you know, at least the players, maybe not so much the coach, but looked internal and looked for ways that they could apply this new or this um, certainly enhanced awareness over equality and racial equality in particular and how could they apply it to their own lives and now changes are starting to be made at the iowa football program so that was just a great story it took forever to report out because it's hard to get guys to talk about it and um we got kind of a weird it was a weird runaround with the iowa um you know internally trying just Mm -hmm. trying to get the story confirmed and it really, it really still, it, it, it st- stays with me. You know, I, I still think about the people that I talk to and um, check in with, check in with those guys because, you know, they're still going through it. They still want to see this program really make meaningful changes. But yeah, just, the, I, I don't do a lot of college, but it's very interesting to me because college, college, especially at the football level, you know, they're mainly public schools and or, mm-hmm. or state schools. And there's so little that's really transparent. You know, the football program is really in a moat. Sometimes it's a literal moat. And I don't think that's the way these programs should be run. I think sun, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Obviously, you know, we're not telling people about like, you know, top secret schemes or something that they don't want other schools. No, this is about stuff that really affects people. And, um, you know, ultimately you want to develop these, um, boys when they come in into, into great young men. And, you know, I think in that way, the journalist in me and just the human in me was like really very interested and excited to tell that story. Okay. Um, the most difficult story I reported on was for sure the Aaron Hernandez uh, case. Mm-hmm. It was um, in 2013, they moved me to Boston. And on my first day in the bureau, they said, okay, we need you to stake out um, Aaron Hernandez's house. The cops have been there a few times that we don't know what's going to happen. And so my first full day as the reporter, the only ESPN reporter on the scene um, he was arrested. So wow. I got there at like 8.55 and he was arrested at 9. And wow. Yeah. And um, and then this is this is approximate. I mean, it's been a long time. So it might have been a little bit before 9 he was arrested. But I remember a producer got in my, my ear. I barely had makeup on, Tracy. <laughs> and a producer, because they were like, you're going to stick it out. There's like nothing to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And the producer got in my ear and she was like, you're going to be on SportsCenter every 15 minutes for the next two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So that day was, one, that was difficult. And that was difficult also from a human perspective because it was really messed. It was super screwed up what happened. You know, he was convicted, right? First degree murder. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to life in prison. So many lives were ruined. So many. Um, and he hurt so many people, you know, aside from the football mm-hmm. stuff, like just his family that you saw every day in court. I ended up covering that for two years, you mm-hmm. know, and just the, and the way it ended, you know, um, I got the alert just like everybody else when he, um, when he hanged himself in prison and it was, it, it was just an excruciating story to start to finish mm-hmm. excruciating. Um, and then the last one was fun or yes. what was, so yes, that's a real hard turn, fun. Tracy. Let me just tell you, <laughs> uh, let's see, fun. Um, you know, I don't, this was, this was fun, but also very meaningful for me. But a couple summers ago, I covered the warrior games when they were in Chicago and that's where mm-hmm. a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of soldiers either who have PTSD or, um, some kind of, you know, yeah, chronic injury or chronic pain after having served, get to be on a team again. And, you know, you're on, you're on a team when you're active duty and you're on a team when you're doing the warrior games, which is a little bit like, it's like the Olympic games, right? But just Mm -hmm. military service members. And my dad served. And so I have a place very near and dear in my heart for everybody who, who serves their country and, you know, people who, um, we're, we're literally putting their lives on the line and putting their bodies on the line and to see them kind of do that again um, this week, whether they were, I mean, those like wheelchair basketball games were no joke. Um, mm-hmm. People that, that was like full blown contact. And to see that, to see people, you know, so enthused by life again after being so hurt was um, really exhilarating for me. And, you know, I don't know if it would be, it was, it was fun in the sense I got to try all the games, which is so rare. Oh, that's really cool though. Yeah. But it was actually really fun. And like, they take you to different parts of the city. You know, we were on the South side and then we were inside soldier field for some like field events, you know, track and field events. And we tried them all and they had me do cycling. It was great. It was super fun. Well, that sounds fun. That, that sounds fun. But fun can also be fun for that way. And fun can be meaningful and something you don't normally get to do. So yeah, I think that sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah. As you uh, know what, I had um, a friend in France who told me once, fun is in your head. And that is the truth. That's, that is, you know what? That is very much the truth. When you're on fun assignment, your when you're on assignment and you think like, okay, I've heard this quote 4,000 other times before, I, on occasion, I'll be like, you know what? Fun's in my head. Uh-huh. That's a fair. <laughs> fun in my head. I'm going to pretend Bill Belichick is talking about something else other than special teams. <laughs> yeah. That's totally, totally fair. I like that. Fun is in your head. I will be taking that with me through life. Um, so okay. I have a couple more questions before we get to speaking of fun, before we get to five fun facts. Um, my first, well, not my first, my first of my last questions. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is there a misstep that you see women making as they try to break into the sports industry? I think trying not to be yourself. I think trying to look the part, 
you know, and I think for better or for worse, I guess there is like a cliche look, you know, for um, someone who is working sideline or someone that you see on TV and think like, oh, I want to look just like Aaron Andrews, say, like, don't don't mm-hmm. do that. I mean, if you look like Aaron Andrews, by all means, like, go ahead. Right. But but if you don't like you should embrace what you look like and what you how you want to dress, you know, I mean, obviously be professional, but. You know, it wasn't until maybe a few years ago that I started dressing, not how I thought I should look, but like what I want to wear, mm-hmm. you know, and I, um, I was assigned to do pieces for Monday Night Football a couple of seasons ago. And I wore overalls every week. I wore overalls. <laughs> I don't That's think, awesome. I don't think any of the guys noticed because like guys don't notice that stuff. But right. um, anyway, I would put like a jacket over it. You really couldn't tell on TV, but like I just wanted to wear what I wanted to wear and I didn't care, you know, I and I thought right. I thought it looked cute. And that's where that's where I'm at right now. Like embrace who you are. I like that. Well, I was going to ask you if you had one piece of advice for starting a career in sports journalism, what would it be? But maybe it it's that. Is it embrace who you are or is there something else? For if you're starting a career in sports journalism, I would say make the boldest and most audacious decision that you can think of to start because those decisions become much harder the older you get, the more entrenched that you get in career. And obviously, those decisions become riskier, you know, because you have a life and a house and like bills to pay and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. When you're early on in your career, do something nuts, you know. Um, I was a journalism student reached out to me and asked what he or she should do. Uh, actually, I'll just say he. I don't know why I said he or she. I was worried about identifying <laughs> them. I'm not going to say their name. But anyway, <laughs> he reached out and asked for, and I said, you know what? If you can figure out a way, I know it's hard to get to Europe because you have to quarantine and all this and that, but it's like possible. But like, could you cover the Bundesliga for a year? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you might have to learn German, but like, that's one of the, one of the premier football leagues, soccer leagues, I guess, in the world. And like, you'll be one of the only Americans probably covering, like figure out something really crazy and do it because that's going to, that's the time in your life when you can do it, you know? And Mm -hmm. also, you know, like my dad always, like my dad always told me when I was applying for jobs early on was like, get a job with health, health insurance, not to be like, an old person, but yeah, I like get a job with health. You know, don't forsake, I would say your health, like get a job with health insurance and, you know, really hold out. I feel lucky, but I've never had to have an unpaid internship. And I think sometimes people sort of hold that out as a badge of honor. Like, you know, I really wanted it and I you've worked for free, but you will do more substantive work if you work for a place where they pay the interns. So Try to work for a place where they pay the interns. I know that's not easy, especially in this environment. People want to do credits, but you know, even if it's just like a tiny stipend, you will end up doing more meaningful work and they will value you more if they pay you. All right. There you go. Good advice. I like it. There you go. I like I like the advice. So before we get to five fun facts, I am going to say a fun fact about you is that you have you were almost going to work in the CIA. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Back when I was in college in the econ major, there are a bunch of places that reached out um, to econ majors to interview, you know, like Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. or financial firms. 
And the CIA was one of them. And, you know, especially because I had so many, all these like French classes and stuff, I had a little bit of an international background, you could say. And then I, um, so I just signed up for an interview and they ended up offering me the job. And I went through, you know, top secret security clearance and I was going to move to Langley, Virginia. And, you know, I remember seeing the letter and it was a job with benefits. I remember my dad was like, wow, this is a great gig. (laughs) (laughs) And I chickened out in part because my mentor at the time was a business journalist and he was like, you know, it's really, really, really hard once you work for the government in that way, right? I mean, the CIA mm-hmm. working, it'd be for the Directorate of Intelligence and you're going to be writing all these like country reports. And he he said, it's going to be really, if you want to get into journalism, do it now, you know, and then work for the CIA. Or if it doesn't work out, like it's really hard to do the opposite. I don't know if he's right because you'll turn on TV and you'll see people who did politics. I mean, Present company included, Tracy. Yes, um, that's true. You'll see people who've done, you know, other things and then gone on to do journalism. But, you know, it is what it is. So I, I didn't I didn't do the CIA thing. I decided to do the journalism thing. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's still in my future. Maybe I'm a secret agent right now, just, you know, posing as a sports reporter. But I guess I guess that would blow my cover. You, you would have just blown your cover unless <laughs> that was all part of the plan. That's what, people what you say. There's no chance. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, exactly. well, I guess TBD and we'll never know. That's what's amazing. Yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. That's- and you never deleted this part out. So you really will never know. We'll never, ever know. <laughs> this will be one of the great, this the is one of the most mysterious podcasts. Midnight, Tracy. The yes. eagle lands at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I will look for it. End on that. On my roof. And what exactly we'll end on that. But before we end on that, we're gonna do five fun facts. And every week we ask this, the guests, every guest, um, the same five facts. Uh you may not know this about me. I do this with the 49ers players. Um, which That's has been fun. So they, fun. I they get to pick their own. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, uh it is it is very fun. And they get to pick their own and they tell me five fun facts about themselves. But on this podcast, we ask the same every week and we get a lot of different answers. So without further ado, I present five fun facts. First, what is your favorite moment in sports? My favorite moment in sports since I went to Illinois has to be Illinois coming back uh, to beat Arizona. Um, They erased like a 14-point deficit in like three minutes um, in the Elite Eight, in the closing minutes of the Elite Eight. That was one of the few times as an Illini fan I've been (laughs) extremely excited. (laughs) <laughs> to watch um i mean we're, we're we're basketball we're more of a basketball school than a football school but like it was it was just it, just beyond exciting and obviously i was watching with a bunch of people that i went to college with um so that was a moment you know probably more than anything else that just like you know just burns into your mind forever um but as i very second you know very close Second to that is also the butt fumble. I know I mentioned it already, but I'm going to bring it back because it it really has given so many people so much joy. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, it's true. I can't watch that play without smiling. And I think that's the definition of a favorite moment in sports. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. What is your life motto? Uh, my life motto is... 
always go out. It's a bad one for the pandemic, which is a bad one for the pandemic. So maybe like mainly, maybe it should be like, no, don't go out. But, you know, always go out because it is a little bit close to um, walk into open doors, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it is. Doubt, go out, walk into an open door, position yourself to say yes to things, and good things will follow. Do you have a go-to workout? Peloton. Um, <gasps> Me too. Yeah, it's it's so it's so lazy, but. I, and it's it's not, sorry, it's not lazy. It's not lazy, but it is like the pandemic go-to, right? You don't have to go to a gym. So I love Cody Rigsby. My favorite. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I did a ride earlier. He's the best. He's the best. He'll be like, have a cookie. If you don't, if you want, if you want to have a cookie, have a cookie. Mm -hmm. Or he'll just say like, I, you know, stand up, sit down, whatever. I don't care. He just he's puts the best. all out there, and I love that. He's awesome. Going back to whole, you, the whole like embrace yourself, like he is embracing mm-hmm. who he is, and I love. Yes, that. he is. He's fantastic. Do you have a go-to coffee order? Extra hot almond milk latte. I have to have it extra hot because it takes me forever to drink coffee, and if I don't get it extra hot, it's cold in two seconds. Fair enough. And last but not least, a book every woman should read. Um, a book every woman should read, I would say the memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because it's probably a book everyone should read because we're so, there's such a dearth of like historical knowledge in general. Um, uh-huh. but I read it at the beginning of quarantine and it's really well written. It's a pretty easy read. I mean, he does get kind of into the nuts and bolts of a, a couple of things couple of like just really quickly here Ulysses S. Grant was a quartermaster <laughs> in his old life like before he became a general for the Union Army he was in the army but he was a quartermaster you're essentially the equipment manager right so he gets like uh-huh. really into the weeds a little bit on like supplies for the for the troops so that those parts are a little bit boring but battle the battles are very interesting and like the way that he manages everything is super interesting um his nickname was unconditional surrender he had a little bit of the take yeah because those were his terms and like those should be your terms is Mm -hmm. no is your terms are your terms they're they might be unconditional surrender like ulysses s grant or they might be something completely different but like live life according to your own drum you know or what is it to your own beat uh, yeah to the beat of your own drum yeah yeah i love to finish podcasts strong like that (laughs) you really did unconditional surrender unconditional memoirs of ulysses s grant like it is a little bit of intimidating book but it's it is not written like it was written in the 1800s, if that makes sense. Like it could be written even in modern day. And just all the crazy stresses that he was dealing with, even when he was beaten down, he would just, he really, he truly, truly believed that he would emerge triumphant. And he had kind of a weird, he had a, he had a good sense of humor about stuff too, which is, which was um, surprising to me. And when, and and I just felt like with the pandemic and people being stressed and so many external things, um, 
sort of pressuring us right now, we kind of have to, if we can, channel a little bit of that Ulysses S. Grant energy <laughs> because he had the weight of the world on him. Big Ulysses energy. That you let big Ulysses energy, if you know what I'm saying. And no, because he really had the weight of the world on him. And he was like, you know, I felt like we were losing support in the North because the war wasn't going so well. And he was like, and that's when I decided we need this war to start going well. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, like when things are going bad, just that, that that should motivate you even more. You know, don't don't get don't let them beat them. Don't let them beat you down. You know, Hmm. well, I think that is a perfect place to end this podcast. Michelle, Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> it's magic. Now you're employed. <laughs> yep. Congratulations, everybody. Congratulations, everybody. Yes, I hope you have your health. Enjoy- no, but seriously, like, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was really honored. I know who else you've had on this podcast. And, you know, it's, it's, it is a really impressive list. And I am super, super well, thank thankful, you. super grateful for the, for the opportunity. Well, thank you for joining me. And if you guys like what you heard, which I know you did. How could you how not? Could you not? How could you not? <laughs> uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and write us a review. Hopefully give us five stars. And then also follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And Michelle, I will talk to you later. And everybody else will talk to you next week. Bye, all For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.